hockey. This is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, everybody, welcome back to our second edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Today, I'm Ron Noah, still here. Yo. Again, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast. We're going to get things started here by jumping right into the campaign trail and track Donald Trump, who was out in Nevada this weekend, holding a commit-to-caucus rally. So want to kind of just paint the picture here and, again, remind everybody, remember, there's two things going on in the state of Nevada. We have, a on the 6th of February, a Nevada primary. Donald Trump is not on that ballot nikki haley is however the results of that air quoting now primary have no legal basis over the delegates that will be awarded to the winner of the february 8th nevada caucus which donald trump is on the ballot there and the polls are showing he's anywhere between 91 and 95 percent ahead of everyone else and the delegates will be 100%edly awarded to the winner of that so it looks like donald trump on february 8th after the nevada caucus not the primary will be the winner in that state there. And then they could focus with just about three weeks left to go before the South Carolina primary, which would be the second to last date ahead of Michigan before Super Tuesday in early March. Donald Trump did a commit to caucus event. It was wellly attended. And he had some of his great friends with him there as well. And what we saw from the 45th president during this rally was talking on a lot of the things that are directly affecting Things up on Capitol Hill right now, like the battle over the border, both the proposed legislation and the Biden amnesty, Langford, whatever deal, Mm. and what's going on with the people in the great state of Texas, which we are going to debunk just a little bit in our show today. We'll explain in just a few. Let's start off with a little bit of Donald Trump urging Republicans to uh, do their job and hold the line up on Capitol Hill. Two million illegals cross the border every single year in the past, and now that number is changing to maybe eight times that amount. We cannot let this happen to our country. As the leader of our party, there is zero chance I will support this horrible open borders betrayal of America. It's not going to happen. I noticed that, and I'll fight it all the way. I noticed a lot of the senators, a lot of the senators are trying to say respectfully they're blaming it on me. I said, that's okay, please blame it on me, please. Because they were getting ready to pass a very bad bill. And I'll tell you what, a bad bill is, I'd rather have no bill than a bad bill. A bad bill you can't have, and that's what was happening. And the House, as you know, the Speaker, who's, by the way, I think he's gonna prove to be a very good Speaker. It's tough when you have a very small majority. Very tough, Mike Johnson, Speaker. He just said it's dead on arrival in the House. It's dead on arrival. We want either a strong bill or no bill, and whatever happens, happens. But this is the single greatest threat to our country right now, is the people pouring into our country, because we have no idea who they are. The fact is that if Joe Biden truly wanted to secure the border, he doesn't really need a bill. I didn't need a bill. I did it without a bill. I did it with the current laws. I used Border Patrol. I didn't have a bill. I didn't need lots of different things. It's not that complicated. You say, I don't want the people coming in. They say, yes, sir. There won't be any people coming in. And that's what we did. It's not that complicated. But all Biden needs to do is to reimpose every single border policy of the former president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Did you ever hear of him? Have you ever heard of him, Noah? Perhaps you've heard of him. (laughs) My best is like, it's called MAGA. 
maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. You know, Joe Biden's commentary throughout the weekend, everything that he knows the border hasn't been fixed in a long time and that it's Congress's fault all the way down to, man, I've done everything I can do on the border. Uh, I'm just waiting for Congress to act. That's not true. We're going to get into it in our next segment because we're sticking with the Trump rally here. But just remember, the current proposed bill, or at least elements of it that have leaked to the press, the one that James Langford and Chuck Schumer are working on, does this. It does not allow for a law enforcement action to happen until there are certain quotas of illegals who come in to the country. So let's just say it's 5,000 illegals a day, which I think is was the original proposed number. Mm-hmm. 5,000 apprehensions have to happen and be reported to Washington, D.C. before they could say, okay, anybody else that comes in after this, now you can detain and do whatever it is Joe Biden wants to do with them, probably catch and release them anyway. But And this is daily or weekly? Daily. Daily. So 5,000 people get a free pass. A day, which essentially is 2 million people a year. Jeez. Yeah. We have people that are economists and financial gurus that, yeah. that would – probably be willing to admit that this is not something that can be handled by this country. I, I don't know how these social programs, welfare, all this other stuff is going to, is going to hold up, let alone social security. It's crazy. You want to talk about the healthcare system. You know, there's not a Nick unit available. Well, they're talking about people this, and this is before this got really bad in Texas when they were saying that, people were having to drive like five, six hours to go have a fucking baby. Like, can you imagine going into labor? You swing by the hospital and it's just like migrant tent facility outside. You're like, well, shit, I guess I got to go to the, I guess I got to go to the next town north of here. No, it's that's awkward. Yeah. And when you talk about places like Texas and Arizona, it's quite a drive. Like Noah alluded to hours before you get anywhere close to being able to receive the the services and, and the care that some of these people need. It's just, crazy the way to, to think that Joe Biden that this administration's solution to what's going on down on the US southern border is letting 2 million more people in a year and then when you talk about the ways that they want to address the ones that are already here with access to work and pathways to green card it's opening up the door for amnesty which is something we just can't have yeah cuz that just means that everybody that's here no longer has anything to worry about no matter how they came in no matter their criminal record, no matter how they, how many laws they broke, what they did coming in, they're just good to go. Yeah. I did see one of the good news points. Uh, Donald Trump did have another legal victory this week, Noah. Uh, the former IRS agent who originally leaked his tax documentations while he was in office to Rachel Maddow mm-hmm. received a five-year prison sentence. Ooh. Yeah. Got him. Didn't see that one coming. And, you know, it's... Mike Johnson has reiterated any border shutdown authority that allows even one illegal crossing in regards to a quota is a non-starter. Yeah. Thousands each day is outrageous. The number must start at and remain zero. That is a quote from Speaker Johnson. And if somebody commits a crime while they're trying to claim asylum, Mm -hmm. and most of these people aren't even claiming asylum, they're economic migrants. If somebody comes in at a place other than a port of entry, their asylum claim is null and void. Like wading across a river, climbing over, under, around a fence should automatically just make your asylum claim null and void. Because 
all you're doing is cutting in front of the people who actually may need asylum. Like, yep. you're just a bunch of fucking tourists at this point. It's the absolute <clears> truth. <throat> and, you know, um, when, when you talk about that commentary right there, no, I did see on Fox and Friends this morning, they had that guy, Lawrence, who usually goes out to, like, the diners, and he's like, hey, everybody want to vote for Ron DeSantis? And they're like, no, fuck you, we want Donald Trump. <laughs> well, now he's doing a Sanctuary City tour coast-to-coast. Coast. Started off in New York. Today was in Chicago. He's going to eventually make it out to, I believe, Denver and then wind up in L.A. or San Francisco. Anyways, you want to talk about the economic migrants point that you made. He's saying that a lot of the migrants he's talking to right now, the illegals who all got dumped there by Greg Abbott, are saying, like, they had it better in their own country and they might want to come home. And and this guy from Fox, Lawrence, he's like, yeah, but I thought you were claiming political asylum, that you were escaping, you know, some form of persecution. And they're like, no, I mean, like, want a better life and he's like oh well, that doesn't sound like you're being persecuted it just sounds like you want to make more money here yeah send it back to your third world shithole so now you're seeing a lot of the narrative starting to break and with especially in the rest of the country outside of the extreme southwest you're going to have quite a few more months of winter mm-hmm. and this is a bad one you know they they have a they just extended that church's petition to fight getting cited for turning their church into a migrant center. I don't understand. You you want the people to come here. You want them to be in a sanctuary city, and then you're going to tell a church not to give them sanctuary. Because it's Donald Trump's fault. That's the answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Donald Trump weighed in on the situation down in Texas. Draw a stark contrast to what's going on with the Biden administration. Let's hear it. When I'm president, instead of trying to send Texas a restraining order... I will send them reinforcements. I like it. Instead of fighting border states, I will use every resource, tool, and authority of the U.S. President, to defend the United States of America from this horrible invasion that is taking place right now. There's never been anything like it. And that's a huge, huge difference you're hearing from Donald Trump. I will use every authority and legal avenue of the president, Mm -hmm. where Joe Biden and anybody else in the regime right now says, I will use every legal authority and avenue of Congress. Because here's the thing. If Republicans in the House pass any kind of border bill that lets any kind of people into this country, like any kind of quota like Joe Biden wants, 5000 a day, $2 million a year, that's law. And guess what? Now Donald Trump has to executively order it out of existence temporarily while he's president, or he has to go back to Congress to repeal a law that will be on the books. That's why this battle over border security is a lot bigger than Joe Biden not securing the border. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden's path to continue his legislative legacy lies on the end of a bipartisan agreement in this session of Congress. If there's one thing Mike Johnson cannot do, it's allow it to pass in the House, period. Mm-hmm. And thank God he can't, well, he has the ability to not have to suspend the rules and make it a vote where Democrats can vote as well, you know, much like we're seeing with the tax thing. So it's a very fluid story in regards to this legislation. It's different than what's going on with Texas and, you know, the federal government down in Eagle Pass and Shelby Park. Again, we're going to touch on that in our next news segment. No, you know Donald Trump's always great to drop a little 
comedy at some of his speaking mm-hmm. events. Yeah, he's, he's a funny guy. What would you say to uh, Donald Trump living to the ripe old age of, I don't know, 200? 200? Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit past expected life expectancy, I, I, I would say. Not according to his doctors. Let's hear it. He was Obama, and they asked him, who is in better health? Who's more physically fit? You know what he said? Trump. And I said, I'll endorse that guy anytime. He said Trump would live to 200 years old if he wouldn't eat so much junk food. (laughs) Sort of interesting. Dr. Ronnie Jackson. So he was an admiral, a doctor, White House doctor. Now he's a great congressman from Texas. And I said to him, you know, Ronnie, I'd like to take a cognitive test. I never heard of it before, but whatever it is. I like tests. I've always liked tests. Tests are very interesting. And, uh, you know, I had an uncle. He's the longest-serving professor, Dr. John Trump, in the history of MIT. Same genes. We have genes. We're smart people. We're smart people. You know? We're like race... Mr. Lieutenant Governor, we're like racehorses, too. You know, the fast ones produce the fast ones, and the slow ones doesn't work out so well, right? <laughs> no, why is it when Donald Trump starts talking about living to the ripe old age of 200 that he immediately segues to, well, he's not with us anymore, but former renowned MIT Dr. John Trump, who, I'm sure you already know this, Noah, was the right-hand man for Nikola Tesla and also was given all of the Tesla receipts after he passed. Mm -hmm. Time traveler confirmed? Yeah, it, it keeps happening. Multiverse confirmed? Right. Seen it in the primaries. What's our audience think a little bit? It's a bowl of spaghetti. I like it. With the spicy meatball? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Guys, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, hopefully it's on Apple. We're also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you subscribe to the show. We've seen a spike in downloads. We've seen a spike in people following us, commenting, five star ratings. We appreciate it very much. So remember, I do want to reiterate this for anyone listening to the show today. The best part about our podcast, the content that you're getting, the commentary that you're getting, the analysis that you're getting, in addition to the best America First guest list in the business period. My favorite thing to do is watch all of the evening news channels and then the Sunday morning news circuit. And although they'll have one, four or five star guest on their shows, we usually bring four or five, six, every single episode of our podcast. And... That only continues to happen with your continued support. And no, I think you can probably agree with this one. The best part about Steak for Breakfast is we're always going to be 100% free. Exactly. There'll never be a subscription fee. There'll never be a GoFundMe to to build a newer, better studio or get equipment. We're self-funded. Any of the ads you hear on our show from all great places like MyPillow and BeardVet, those are free ad reads for those guys. And we just want to support America First Businesses. Um, in addition to that, you can find us on social media, Twitter, get our true social and Instagram, find our accounts, follow them, hit the notification bell, never miss out on anything steak for breakfast. We're going to be sitting down with Florida Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna in just a bit for the first time. Very excited about that. It's been a busy day up on Capitol Hill. And Donald Trump, of course, in addition to slamming Joe Biden and his lack of border policies, was going to take a couple of shots at fake primary contestant. Doesn't have a state she could win. I'm calling it now. She's not going to get a million votes total, no matter how. She could stay in until the RNC convention. Oh, did you hear the news? Mm-mm. 
So the RNC, I guess, has agreed to have like their winner, whatever, either right before or after the Nevada caucus in Las Vegas. It's been rumored that because Ronna McDaniel has been so bad with the money that she's going to be opening up a line of credit to help support the eventual nominee, which will be Donald Trump and his general election campaign. That's bad news. Not having money in the war chest, especially with everything Trump's got going on legal-wise, right? Yeah. Well, now there's rumors that Ronna McDaniel might be stepping down at the RNC winter retreat. Really? Which is going to create a little bit of a power vacuum, and we'll have to see if we get someone a little bit more lined up with Donald Trump, which at this point I believe is around 0% when it comes to Ronna McDaniel. Yes. So hopefully we'll get somebody in there better. But, you know, it's it, it's interesting the way that they've kind of set themselves up to, again, make Donald Trump's life extremely hard, especially when it comes to the money it's needed to stack up against the Democrat election machine in the general campaign. And what we're up against in the primary, we have a candidate who's got no pass to anything except monies and a book deal and, and speaking spots on cable news networks who won't get out of the race and won't allow Donald Trump to singularly focus on Joe Biden yet, which is fine. They'll all learn. They all do. The Trump curse is real. You saw it with that guy who was working for the IRS that gave the tax returns to Rachel Maddow. Now he's yeah, going to be done. sitting in a steel box for the next five years. Trump slamming Haley, referring to her as the Trojan horse for the Republicans. Let's hear it. He's almost a radical left Democrat, which is hard to win elections like that, but it's like... They use it as a, they use certain things as like a Trojan horse in the Republican primaries. Haley made a corrupt deal to sell out to the radical left, taking the Democrat money from donors and recruited all the votes. In the primaries that you just saw, she got killed at both of them. You had Iowa, you had New Hampshire. She got absolutely beaten badly. And she tried to cancel out Republicans, and she sort of did. She only got 25% of the Republican vote in Iowa, where she came in a distant third. A distant third. Remember, we have Ron DeSantis. Now, I've, you know I've terminated that other name. <laughs> right? They asked me. They said, they said, what about the sanctimonious? I said, no, he I put that it. into retirement. <laughs> that name is. So now I call him Ron DeSantis. But Ron DeSantis came in second. He didn't come. She came in third, a distant third. And he got out, and then she went to New Hampshire, and she got slaughtered in New Hampshire, even though she had a lot of Democrats voting for her. Because in New Hampshire, they allowed Democrats and independents to vote. I said, this could be a little tough. And we still won by a lot, by a landslide, I guess. Sort of a landslide. You know, and the thing is, the way that I look at it as is that the South Carolina primary is so close to the Republican one that they don't have the opportunity to do the old bait and switch the Democrats do. Mm. So Nikki Haley's already looking at a bunch of people that aren't going to be voting for her because they're voting for Joe Biden a few days before the Republicans have their primary there in three weeks. So you're not going to run into the same kind of instances as you saw out in New Hampshire. But you got to remember, when, when you look at the state's breakup, it's like 37% of the state is registered Democrat and 40% of the state is registered independent. You have 30-something percent of the state is registered Republican. And the fact that Donald Trump got damn near close to 80 of the registered Republicans and still won by almost 12 points, it says a lot for how strong his victory, especially historically, uh, when you look at a lot of the primaries there, it was. And, you know, the way the media has kind of spun this out of control is typical. But, you know, they're just trying to make things and life hard for Donald Trump. 
much as they are with, with everything else in this election cycle, whether it be the money that they have on hand or the cases that are being, you know, witch huntedly cast against him. Mm. So a statement came out yesterday from the Trump campaign, not from Donald Trump. This is a, a dual statement from Chris Lasavita, great friend of the show, and Susie Wiles. And it's to, I think you're going to like this one, Noah, interested parties. Mm. It's from, like I mentioned, Chris Lasavita and Susie Wiles, semicolon Donald J. Trump for president in 2024. President Trump continued his dominance of the GOP with another historic win, this time in New Hampshire. I guess they're referring to the primary last week. And what was supposed to be Nikki Haley's, quoting, best shot was considered a must-win for her campaign. Donald Trump received more votes than any candidate for president ever received in the New Hampshire presidential primary, despite the record pushed to turn out behavioral Democrats who had an opportunity to support one of their own, Nikki Haley. On February 8th, Nikki Haley will be handed her third straight loss, this time in Nevada. She inexplicably signed up to be included on the state primary ballot, despite the fact that she could not earn any delegates from that primary. President Trump will be the only significant candidate on the caucus ballot, allowing him to win the state's delegates in their entirety. We wonder what the Haley campaign was thinking. As do we. Next contest is South Carolina, where President Trump is a 19 to 27 point favorite, depending on what poll you want to believe. This is not what Nikki Haley was hoping for as she goes home to the Palmetto State. Humiliation at home, fourth straight trouncing, occurs in a place where she served in elected office for 12 years. Wonder if the fake news media will still be talking about, quoting, the Haley surge that never materialized in a meaningful way. Man, they are ruthless. Mm. If losing four times in a row is a momentum builder, now might be the best time to buy plots of land on Mars. <laughs> Yikes. South Carolina is different from New Hampshire. As such, it poses serious questions about the violence viability of Nikki Haley as a candidate. First, there is no tradition of crossover voting in South Carolina, and Democrats have their primary on February 3rd as part of the reshape map and timing schedule for national Democrats. Anyone who wants to vote on February 3rd primary cannot, therefore, vote in the GOP one on February 24th. So Nikki's losing strategy of counting on Democrats to pollute the primary for her won't work this time. The Koch brothers-backed super PAC... Americans for no prosperity is working with Nikki in the early and super Tuesday States and spent millions of dollars on TV ads in the mail and on the ground for weeks. The results more bad polling for her and a recent admission made by their own two top staffers that this is still an uphill battle. And now all eyes turn to South Carolina where she has a steeper road ahead. Steeper road. Yeah. How about a rocky road straight up the mountain lined by legions of MAGA supporters? Rocky road. Nikki Haley is losing to Donald Trump by every metric imaginable used to measure political viability. (laughs) They would then go into some, no, a little bit more content. In Iowa, the weather was breathtakingly cold, and the pundits said repeatedly the weather would hurt President Trump's ability to turn out first-time caucus goers. It certainly did not. In New Hampshire, the Haley campaign said its dopey chief surrogate, Chris Sununu, <laughs> said he could pull, she could pull off an upset based on the state's long-standing tradition of allowing unaffiliated voters and Democrats to vote in the GOP primary. It also didn't work. What's the prediction slogan for South Carolina? There isn't one. In South Carolina, our campaign will be focused on educating voters that she is no different than Joe Biden, Democrats, rhinos, and the loony left who found her. And the real payoff for Democrats is that AFP, Nikki Haley, and her team are directly aiding and abetting Joe Biden by staying in this race. We've been saying that from day one, even when a 10-year-old knows there's not a path to winning. 
No sooner has the polls closed in New Hampshire than the national fake news started churning out stories of how poorly President Trump fared with independence, and that means he couldn't win despite a volume of available data showing President Trump is winning the all-important swing states and winning the national election in a head-to-head with Joe Biden. Just as recently as yesterday on Meet the Fake Press, Haley doubled down on her delusion that President Trump can't beat Joe Biden. Hey, Necky, here's some polls. Why don't you take a gander? Arizona, Donald Trump up by four. Georgia, Donald Trump up by eight. Texas, Donald Trump up by eight. Michigan, Donald Trump up by eight. Nevada, Donald Trump up by two. Wisconsin, Donald Trump up by four. National, Reuters, Donald Trump up by six over Biden. And then there's the most recent real clear politics average in the general election matchup. Donald Trump, 47.3%. Joe Biden, 43%. That's a plus 4.3% advantage for Donald Trump. So we remain focused on the hype and former South Carolina governor. Anyone paying attention to the delegate count would also know the following. When you apply Nikki Haley's logic and percentage, which will arguably be her best showing, 43.2%, and it's way more generous than reality actually is, multiverse confirmed again, Mm. the other GOP contest where she managed to be on the ballot and post-Super Tuesday, President Trump will have 86.9% of the available delegates, and Nikki will earn a mere 12.1%. Frankly, it goes without saying, lights out if we do say so ourselves. So that's kind of the way they ruled in on it in a broad statement from the Trump team. I think it kind of highlights the whole strategy of Nikki Haley and the Democrats that we've outlined for you here on the show. We do talk to a lot of Trump adjacents and people who are directly connected to the campaign on a regular basis. So it's pretty funny how the narrative that they put out via a press release yesterday or is one that we kind of crafted here on the show over the course of the last couple of weeks, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to get ready to wrap. But before we do that, as we end every segment where Donald Trump is a speaking event, I've got the close out. Let's hear it. We stand on the shoulders of Nevada patriots who crossed the ocean, settled a continent, tamed the wilderness, laid down the railroads, raised up those great skyscrapers, won two world wars, and lit up the most beautiful lights anyone's ever seen right here on the Las Vegas Strip. Together they built America into the single greatest country anywhere in the world. But now we're a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. We are a nation that has lost its confidence, its willpower, and its strength. We are a nation that has quite simply lost its way. But we are not going to allow this horror to continue. Three years ago, we were a great nation, and we will soon be a great nation again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it's hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. We will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. 2024 is our final battle. With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers. We will expel them. We're going to drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists, Marxists, and fascists. And we will throw off the sick political class that hates our country. We will rout the fake news media and we will evict crooked Joe Biden from the White House on Election Day 2024. 
big group there. The great silent majority is rising like never before. And under our leadership, the forgotten man and woman will be forgotten no longer. I like that. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nevada. Thank you. Get out. Get out and caucus February 8th. My favorite part was one of the first parts where everybody was yelling. There was a guy, there was a guy who literally went, you can do it. <laughs> Only at a Trump rally. There's no better place than a Trump rally on the weekend either. And I think we all know that. And again, for the things that they've got lined up, a couple more commit to caucus events between now and February 8th. In addition, I want to remind everybody that they've also secured Big League Dreams as the watch party site. Uh, right off the Vegas Strip there. That should be pretty awesome, and that'll be followed by the after party because after the party, it's the after party, mm. and that will, of course, be at the Trump Hotel there in Las Vegas as well. Only other thing I got, Noah, we, we've got some coping and seething, which has led to what's new, crawling and groveling. Ooh. Donald Trump's going to be hosting a very exclusive dinner for some of the billionaire donor class who seems like they want to get back on the Trump train and atone for their sins over the course of the last eight years. And now since there aren't any candidates left, and since most of them that have historically donated to Republicans aren't Democrats, Nikki Haley's got her own other apparatus set up over there as well. They're going to be having a dinner with Donald Trump down in in South Florida this Thursday night. So, guys, we're going to be coming right back and jumping into the news because we've got now a three-pronged battle on the U.S. southern border Texas v. Biden, the Schumer-Lankford border agreement, and a little bit of impeachment for DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. But before we do, let's check in with one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, my slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you enter promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. Fox News alert. The impeachment articles against DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas have just been released. Peter Ducey joins us now with all the details. Hi, Peter. And, Carly, this is not something that's going to get pulled down by the House if the Senate border negotiations take a turn because they're not happy in the House with the Senate border negotiations. And besides, in these official articles of impeachment, they are accusing Mayorkas of lying to them. Here's a key quote from the articles. It says, 
Alejandro and Mayorkas knowingly made false statements to Congress that the border is secure, that the border is no less secure than it was previously, that the border is closed and that DHS has operational control of the border. And then there's this quote. Throughout his tenure as Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro N. Mayorkas has repeatedly violated laws enacted by Congress regarding immigration and border security, in large part because of his unlawful conduct. Millions of aliens have illegally entered the United States on an annual basis, with many unlawfully remaining in the United States. His refusal to obey the law is not only an offense against the separation of powers in the Constitution of the United States, it also threatens our national security. And now the Homeland Security Committee's chairman, Mark Green, is breaking it down like this. He says about Mayorkas, he has breached the public trust by knowingly making false statements to Congress and the American people and obstructing congressional oversight of his department. These facts are beyond dispute, and the results of his lawless behavior have been disastrous for our country. DHS is responding to this. They have a brand new statement. It says this farce of an impeachment is a distraction from other vital national security priorities and the work Congress should be doing to actually fix our broken immigration laws. But that is unlikely to move any of these House Republicans and the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, says they are going to move to vote on these articles of impeachment for Mayorkas as soon as possible. Back to you. Back to you, Noah. <laughs> Here's the deal. If Republicans vote in unison to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, regardless of what any grandstanding on the Democrat side or theatrics, which we'll get to in just a bit, we're going on in the introduction of the Articles Impeachment Committee today happens. He's impeached, period. Bye. Now, no, I know you've been a, I would say, huge fan and advocate for the current DHS secretary. Say what? <laughs> and all of his uh, longstanding and, and highly successful policies and memos, which have not both secured and made our border much safer since he took over. Yeah, no, I'm not on board with all that. That's a bad day for Alejandro Mayorkas because th this has teeth. And it's not going away. I hope something happens. Somebody needs to get impeached. Yeah. Damn it, impeach somebody. Like, not everybody can get away with it. And get me somebody while I'm waiting. Yeah. You know, and it, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. So you have Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment. You've got the state of Texas at Shelby Park in Eagle, Eagle Pass versus the Biden administration. And you have the now Senate-led Biden border agreement deal pre-amnesty all going on at the same time. Three different things. We're going to take you through all three and get you caught up to date uh, as quickly as possible regarding this. So we've seen Lieutenant Governor of Texas, great friend of Greg Abbott and Ken Paxson and Donald Trump, Dan Patrick, doing mm -hmm. a lot of TV lately, talking about what's going on. It's Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, it is. I like it. And he was out at Eagle Pass this week. Kind of giving the news a little bit of a gaggle and, and providing some commentary on the latest there. Let's hear him. We have a right when the federal government, we believe under the Constitution, we believe it's our right to protect our people, pure and simple, and to protect our country. The federal government is not doing it. That was part of Article 4, Section 4. When the United States was founded by the states, we created the government. They had a deal to protect us against invasion. Now, Joe Biden wants to argue what invasion is. Eight million people who have come into this country illegally, murderers, molesters, terrorists, rapists, 
gang members, drug dealers, carjackers, kidnappers. Yep. That's invaded. And by the way, who is sending all of them here? Who's getting paid for it here but armed cartels? That seems like an army to me. He would go on to continue that statement there and said, like, up to this point. I thought he was going to say NGOs. That's who's getting paid. That's the truth as well. And, and just like with all foreign wars, we're funding both sides of our border crisis. But he would go on to say, to this point, DHS hasn't removed any of the C-wire that's, you know, stopping illegals from coming in currently. Yeah, I was wondering what the update was on that. But to this point, he also said that they could do it if they want because we've got more C-wire than they've got C-wire cutters. <laughs> and if they want to take down a mile during the day, we'll put up a mile and a half at night, which is, in the case of this current border crisis, a feel-good story. So are they still lifting lifting the C-wire the with forklifts and stuff like that? Not in Eagle Pass. Nice. Not in Shelby Park. But here's the thing. <laughs> Maybe they heard me saying I was going to take their card. We all do our homework here on the show. There's been reports from the last couple of days. Everybody from Jorge Ventura and independent journalists all the way up to Alex Jones have sent people on the ground because there's been reports on private property on both sides of Shelby Park, which is like in a three-mile proximity to the contested land right now between the Supreme Court ruling in DHS, the state of Texas, that there's welded open gates. Welded open? Yeah. Like gate Border fence on private property where components of DHS have gone onto the private property and welded the gates open. I don't understand why that would be a thing that DHS would do. Well, they do it a lot, especially in Arizona and especially during the summer to let people come in at the same time and get apprehended by authorities. But I don't want to kind of like rain on everybody's parade. But If I was a rancher and I had a welded open gate on my property, I would cut those welds and weld it shut. And that's the thing. When gates are usually sealed that happen to land on the back of private properties, the cartels will use cattle pushers on the front of their trucks to yeah, open the gates. Yeah, push through them, knock through them, yeah. They'll blow the hinges on the gates and just knock an entire side of the door down and do everything else that they can to get the people. I don't want to ruin everybody's day by saying, like, what's going on at Shelby Park right now is a virtue single, but I went out and specifically asked a couple people who I really trust over the last 24 hours and some people that have provided great commentary and brought receipts on this show. And they said, albeit, that is the flashpoint for what defines an invasion in the midst of this argument for border security. Within three miles on either side of Shelby Park, there are gates welded open where people can come in. Mm. So, sad but true. But it's still good to see Texas stand in the face of what a lot of people assume, including us here on the show, that this is tyranny. And an invasion of our country. Yeah, if I was a rancher on, on that property, if I couldn't put something or, or you know, fix the gate, well, unweld it, weld it, reweld it, do whatever you got to do, I would be piling shit, fucking hay bales, whatever, anything to slow people down. And, you know, I've got a bunch of tabs saved on, on my browser history. And, you know, one of the people who I was talking to specifically about this issue yesterday, and they're like, well, you know what happens to these ranchers when they try to do anything, right? Oh, they, they get penalized for fucking with government property, probably. Yeah. Everything from if the house on the property that's along the border fence isn't their primary residence, it gets ransacked, all the way to if they try to defend their property in any way, shape, or form, they get criminally charged. This is a zero-win situation for anyone who cares about our sovereignty. I thought, like, that was the thing in Texas, like, back in the day. Like, if somebody was on your property, you were allowed to blast them. 
Do you remember when we talked to that rancher a couple years ago? Noah, it might have been as far back as like 2019 or 2020, and, and he showed us some videos from like home surveillance where oh, yeah. the cartel members knew that that wasn't a primary residence. They broke in, went through every single room in the house, ate or took all of the non-perishable foods, and then they had like this little desk, like right when you walk in the front door. If it was like a and normal house, then they leave like a bullet or something. You would have like a bowl where you drop your keys. They like arm slit everything off, and they left a butcher knife on it. That's right. It was a butcher knife. Yeah, that's and, wild. And this is just a commonality that a lot of people don't want to talk about because the big story is like Greg Abbott and Ken Paxson and Dan Patrick standing up to the Supreme Court ruling and Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas, which is a big story. But don't think that like the 2.1 miles of Shelby Park, Texas, and Eagle Pass is stopping. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket when you have a full-on onslaught of the hordes coming from everywhere. The 13 to 15 million people that have already come into this country over the course of the last nearly three years now. Dipping in and out of all the big border issues, James Langford, suspect Oklahoma senator who's working on this, air quoting, bipartisan border agreement. Now remember, it was confirmed that he was censured by the Oklahoma GOP until he is done working on this thing and not when he's done completed with it, when he's done with it, walks away from it. That's a big deal. Took his show on the road. He was on Fox News Sunday kind of promoting what's going on. Let's hear him. Third for me to agree to 5,000 people a day. This bill focuses on getting us to zero illegal crossings a day. There's no amnesty. It increases the number of Border Patrol agents. It increases asylum officers. It increases detention beds so we can quickly detain and then deport individuals. It ends catch and release. It focuses on additional deportation flights out. It changes our asylum process so that people get a fast asylum screening at a higher standard and then get returned back to their home country. This is not about letting 5,000 people in a day. This is the most misunderstood section of this proposal. Let me tell you briefly what it is. Uh, In the last four months, we've had seven days. In four months, we've had seven days uh, that we had less than 5,000 people. This is set up for if you have a rush of people coming at the border, the border closes down, no one gets in. This is not, this is not someone standing at the border with a little clicker saying, I'm going to let one more in. We're at 4,999. Yes, it and is. And it has to stop. It totally is. It is a is. shutdown of the border, and everyone actually gets turned around. Okay. That's the focus that we have right now is how do we actually intervene in this administration and turn people around, not let people in. So there may be some initial measurement. You get to that rolling 5,000 in a week, and then it's zero from that point on, but there is some initial measurement. Our our Bill Malugin is reporting that the number would dial back then to about 37.50 a day at the border, and then once you hit that for about two weeks, the gates would open again. Uh, Can you confirm or deny that? Yeah, it's not, again, it's not gates opening. That's a misunderstanding of the bill itself. (laughs) It's how many can we process and actually deport. Oh, there it is. When you raise the standard for people coming across, when you increase the detention beds, when you increase deportation flights, you're not letting people in. And people are thinking about how the Biden administration is running it now. Right now, the Biden administration is allowing, for instance, 1,500 people a day just to come to the ports of entry, get a work permit, and get released in the country. People coming between ports of entry get what's called a notice to appear and get released in the country. All of that stops. 
We're focused on how many people can we process quickly and then deport out of the country, not release into the country. It would be absolutely absurd for anyone to be able to propose something to say we're just going to slow the number of releases. We're focused on how do we actually enforce our border and get us back to zero people actually crossing the border illegally. Every administration has struggled to be able to get the authorities in place to be able to actually enforce our border. Let's put them in place. It's remain in Mexico. Yeah, it's remain in Mexico, which Joe Biden will never adhere to. Joe, did you see how he like just duck and weaved every time she tried to put the numbers on? And he's like, yeah, it is, but it's not. It is, but it's not. It is, period. Joe Biden wants Congress. And that's a really high number. Like, I understand if you want to have like a certain number that's going to trip the trip the you know lock the border down sure number but five thousand is a lot a day how about like a hundred people mm-hmm. and then if a hundred people come in then you're like all right guess what no nobody's coming in yeah and you know i don't want to hear about people being returned to mexico in deportation flights if the only minimum standard for any of that stuff happening is that there's already five thousand people released in underneath them that doesn't in, that's two million people a year not including getaways yeah so what are we settling on? We're settling on anywhere between three and four million people a year total entering the United. That's unsustainable. Mm-mm. Any number outside of zero right now is unsustainable after what Joe Biden's done to this country for the last three years. You know, and they're just going to continue to play politics with it. Are, are, we're going to have major cities that to turn into war zones sooner than a lot of people think. Too. Yeah, sooner than a lot of people think. Just wait till you know the the perspective of not having a job and being able to feed your family that you bought here because either your government told you they could or an NGO said it was going to be fantastic. People living on the streets of Chicago right now when it's negative 22 degrees out at night aren't thinking that uh, that NGO sold them the right story. So it's it's wild. Governor Christy Noem was on CNN State of the Fake Union Sunday. She was promoting and, and dunking on Joe Biden. Let's hear her. Take the, the W. What, is he, what has he done? Win. What has he done? He's, he's done nothing as far as actual policies and actually using the tools that he has. I sat two days ago with people that work for him that said this president is tying our hands every single day. He does not let us do our job. This president, we work for him, we work for the federal government, and we hate it. We yeah. hate our jobs and we hate what's happening to this country well, because he again. will not keep us. There's a lot of people that have come through this show that have said exactly the same thing. Even more so, people who reach out to us via email and, and on social media who say, like, I hate everything about what's going on down the southern border. I hate my job. I hate all the people that I work with. It's just a terrible situation. Again, I'll remind everybody, you know, the amount of suicides that have spiked more in the last three years than there were in the 10 years prior. The attrition and, and workforce retainability and retention for the Department of Homeland Security, especially for frontline, ICE, Customs and Border Protection, etc. All the investigative units, we've seen all-time highs of them just walking away either to other jobs or in places that don't involve the border. And you really can't take into account just how bad the situation is because you're not told about it anywhere else except in places like this. Me and Noah care a lot about the job that needs to get done down there and and the people that are doing it. So we're just going to continue to bring you the receipts and, and reach out when we don't have the answers and try to get them and deliver them to you. So... Neither one of us are border experts. However, we do uh, bring in all the ones, everyone from people like Jorge Ventura all the way up to Tom Holman and everyone in between that can provide commentary on it, all the congressmen and women who are working on legislation to try and get this back to a little bit of normalcy. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, it's going to be Last Call. Make sure you're subscribed. 
Make sure you hit the plus follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. Helps us out big time. We appreciate all of our new listeners that have been coming in over the course of the past few weeks and months. In addition, find us on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Follow the accounts at the notification bell. Never miss out on anything we've got going on on the show. And remember, anytime you see anything related to our podcast, our show posts, our upcoming editions, they all have links to where you can follow the show for free. Just make sure you're sharing it wherever you can. So the Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment reveal started today. And, of course, everybody's going to get their five minutes to say their spiel, Noah. I'd be saying that guy's pulling his hair out, but, you know, he doesn't seem to have any. Mark Green from Tennessee, who sits on the head of Homeland, kicked things off. Let's hear him. So today, we will mark up two articles of impeachment. Willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law I like it. and breach of public trust. Mm-hmm. Get it. Again, we're here because our oath and duty compel us to be here. The actions and decisions of Secretary Mayorkas have left us with no other option than to proceed with articles of impeachment. To quote Madison once again, perhaps the greatest danger of abuse in the executive power lies in the improper continuance of bad men in office, end quote. We cannot allow this man to remain in office any longer. The time for accountability is now. And you know, yep, Louisiana Representative Clay Higgins, who said, <laughs> seemed like a, an outtake from like Tombstone. <laughs> Your day will come and I will impeach you. Seems like we're here. But it didn't go without saying, you're a daisy if you do. You know the Democrats are going to do everything they could do to say whatever Republicans want to get done is racist, all the way up to blame Speaker Mike Johnson and Donald Trump and everything in between. You can't blame Trump for any of this shit anymore. It's like, that's fucking retarded. Literally the best and safest border that this country's probably ever had during his administration. And then instantaneously cause and effect, Biden rescinds all the executive orders and fucks everything up, and then everything's just a shit show from now on. You would think that, Mike, but in step, big gay California representative Robert Garcia, who brought the enormous posters of fear porn and invoked Donald Trump and Mike Johnson as being Adolf Hitler and everyone in between. Wow. Let's hear it. I I, I will not yield. I want to remind the public that Donald Trump and House Republicans also have their own ideas for the border. So let's review the majority's border ideas that they've actually presented. Here they are. Donald Trump actually has said that he wants to build alligator moats (laughs) along the border. That's one of his incredible ideas. Another idea that Donald Trump has promoted is he actually wants to electrify the border fence and maybe even put some spikes on the border. That's another Donald Trump and MAGA majority border idea. Another idea. I feel like these were jokes. I'm not sure how, how well yeah, it would go. Is he wants to actually bomb northern Mexico with missiles. That's another Trump idea. Somebody laughed. And finally, I think one of the ones that I think um, is the most. And that was talking about drone suggestions that instead we should yep. maybe just shoot migrants in the legs as they cross the border. So once again, the Donald Trump and MAGA plan is alligator moats, bombing northern Mexico shooting migrants in the legs and electrifying the fence and putting spikes on them. That is the Donald Trump border plan. 
Wow. Talk about taking things out of context. That has nothing to do with anything that's going on with this impeachment hearing. It's just bullshit. And, and it is. And, and you've got to be able to hear through the noise. It got a lot more ridiculous. There were so many other clips I could bring to the table, but I just kind of wanted to give everybody like an overview of what was going on. That's definitely the most retarded one, probably. As they're trying to whip and secure votes right now ahead of this, you know, and, and you know, Benny Thompson, who's the ranking chair in the minority in title only, said that the MAGA led, again, you guys thought you wanted to shut the government down a couple weeks ago, which seemed like a good idea. Just imagine what they would have fucking done to Donald Trump and, and Speaker Johnson if we would have shut the government down. It would have been the Donald Trump instructed, MAGA Mike leading, U.S. government shutdown in an election year so Joe Biden can't save the country. And then they would start touting like jobs is up, inflation's going down, the economy's looking better. You know, we had a plan on the table for the border. Now we can't do anything because Donald Trump shut the government down. Benny Thompson this morning in his opening statement, the MAGA-led impeachment of Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is a baseless sham and the American people deserve better than this. What? Baseless? Just imagine what they would have done, though, if they, they got to run with the government shutdown. You would have had Schumer, Pelosi, and all the progressives on there 24-7 being like, we were so close. We were so close to fixing everything, and now Donald Trump shut it down because he wants to steal the government back. This hmm. is part two of the insurrection, a nonviolent insurrection. That's what it would have been. But you want to know what? Even though it's only Tuesday, we're going to end on a good note. We already heard from South Dakota Governor Christy Noem. She was out on the trail this weekend, stumping for President Trump. She was at the southern border talking to all the people down there who are working hard to the best of their ability to protect our country. But former HUD secretary and tied for one with Christy Noem for our most likely to be tapped for vice president, Dr. Ben Carson, jumped on with mornings with Maria yesterday where they talked about a lot of issues. But at the end, Maria Bartiromo took it one step further than I guess we have to this point, Noah, and just dropped the question right in Dr. Ben's lap. Let's hear how he uh, responded. This is also one of the reasons President Trump is doing so well in the polls. Has President Trump contacted you to be his VP? Damn! She just dropped it on him. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about what we've talked about, but we've, we've talked about what can we do to save this country and that we will work together to make sure that America remains America. There's yeah. so many things that are going on right now. You, you know, compromising the DOJ, using it to injure your opponents politically. These are things that occur in, in China and Russia and Cuba. Those are not things that are supposed to occur in this country. Yeah. And we should be alarmed, and I think the American people are alarmed. Answer now. Do you see uh, more support from the black community for President Trump? Absolutely. Uh, I used to go to places and be the only black face. <laughs> not anymore, not by a long shot. And I think people are starting to recognize that the Trump oh, administration the uh, was on the side of black America. The things that they enacted were extremely positive. The yeah. Opportunity Zones, HBCU support, all of these things were fantastic. And I think he's going to have a You know, and, and we didn't ask... Dr. Ben Carson, last time he was on the show, he'll be back again in February. Don't y'all worry about that. We've already got that date locked in. But we did say we hope when Donald Trump narrows down his list that he is a participant on it because we it's, a, it's hard not to love anything about Ben Carson when you've got those two people together. So I figured in our last audio clip of the day that would be a good one to play. What do you think, Noah? Yeah. Who wants to just talk about the border and electrified fences and alligators? I mean, alligators would work. 
I don't disagree with you. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. We're still going to get a couple more receipts on what's going on up in Congress and all the doings on because we're going to have one of the senior statemen joining us in just a second. We're going to be sitting down with South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman. But before we do that, one last check-in with one of our partners. It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's the congressman representing South Carolina's 5th Congressional District. Always happy to sit down with Mr. Ralph Norman. Congressman, welcome back to the show. My pleasure. Glad to be with you. Well, you guys have had a busy week, and it's only midday Tuesday on the uh, East Coast right now. And I think uh, one of the things our listenership is greatly anticipating hearing about is any commentary you have on the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas, which is currently going on in real time right now. That's uh, the opening statements portion of the impeachment process right now. And we've seen quite the theatrics in there where Republicans are kind of outlying what Alejandro Mayorkas has systematically done since Joe Biden has taken office to erase our border security and we have like the montages of adolf hitler and all the other bad things that they're comparing former uh like president trump's border policies to up in uh, congress right now so as you're watching this thing kind of unfold in real time we all know that this is long overdue uh, for house republicans to move on this for on alejandro mayorkas but uh i'm pretty sure that you're on board with him being impeached and uh having someone get in there that's going to at least adhere to the rules on the books as, as the american people uh frequently hear on the news yeah, what Mayorkas has allowed at the direction of the Biden administration is a total invasion that's against the Constitution uh, at the border. The fact that we've had over 8.3 million illegals cross our borders, you know, we're a nation of borders and laws, supposedly. And what Mayorkas is doing by saying that the borders are secure, uh, he's lied from day one. Now, he's taken his orders from Biden, and like so many of this administration, they do what they're they're putting up in a position as Mayorkas was to uh, to I guess carry the banner for what Joe Biden wants. And I would argue the reason for the illegal aliens coming into the country at at a number that we have never seen in the history of this country is to retain power. I was on the border twice. I saw the numbers given to them by our government. I saw the phones that they have. I saw the fact that they had the nicest buses and the airplane that we left McCallum, Texas on was mostly illegals. No testing for COVID. And it was during the height, during the COVID uh, pandemic. And God only knows what other, uh, what other uh, illnesses they are carrying to the United States. But it's, um, it's selling the country out at a time when America doesn't, we can't, exists like this and this administration has has no intent to do anything else and the funny part about it is because we've tracked this very closely you know we had chairwoman stefanik on the show on friday and it was almost the 
I don't know, defiant nature, if you want to say, that Alejandro Mayorkas went on during Christmas break and into the new year where he went around the cable news networks. He went down to the border and was like, oh, look, everything looks okay to me. You know, the House Republicans are just doing this for show. We all know that's not the case, not only because of what we see actually going on down on the border, but what the results have been of all of these millions of illegals getting put into cities all over the United States. You've got mayors from, you know, the most ruby red cities on the planet, all the way down to the bluest one saying the same thing. We are overwhelmed. We are overran. We don't have services. We don't have money. And it just seems like this administration, starting with Alejandro Mayorkas all the way up to Joe Biden, just doesn't care. They don't care, and they will do anything for power. That That's what this is about. And to say that, for Mayorkas to say that the border's secure, what about what happened in New York where 4,000 4, illegals took the place of 2,000 children that whose parents had paid taxes, whose parents had worked in this country, they paid into Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and a classroom was taken over. Now, what about the hospitals all over this country that are have been deluged now? Uh, you know, what about all the the 140 programs that this government is signing them up for, which is you know food stamps? They they get been given phones and. The terror watch list, though, which I keep hearing the number 169, they don't know how many are in here. 40% of the illegals across the border, they have no way of tracking, and they finally admitted that. But we've got a national security crisis above all the other bad things that I just mentioned, and I'm sure Elise Stefanik mentioned. This is a national security problem. And the fact that it only takes one to blow up a building. It only takes, it took 19 at 9-11, but from what a letter that I wrote, that I read by Chris Swikert and others that pointed out the fact that we're vulnerable now, our power grid is vulnerable, our any large gathering is vulnerable as we have seen in Israel. So it's a very serious thing and this administration's tone deaf to it. No, they certainly are. Now, one of the things I don't want to confuse our listenership with, because there, there's a battle over a border security bill going on at the same time as these Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment hearing. And, you know, that's that's kind of a work in process as well. We saw uh, Oklahoma Senator James Lankford go out on the Sunday morning news circuit and try to defend what's in this bill. But some of the things that have been leaked to the press and, and, and from different offices of people who are involved with this show that this is essentially like an amnesty light, and, and it allows for... Uh, you know, the, the federal workers down there on the U.S. southern border not to be able to do anything until they meet certain quotas of illegals being allowed to come into the country every day. When you go through what you're hearing on this bill, because we're told a lot of people haven't seen it yet, I'm air quoting, it, it doesn't sound like it's anything that has to do with border security and more with just facilitating the policies that Joe Biden wants to institute down on the southern border. No, what's being pushed by Langford, who has been censured, I understand, by his own party in Oklahoma. Correct. And just to get a bill over and, and think – what could pass the Senate that's not, I guess, pre-approved by Biden and Chuck Schumer? You know, there's nothing that, of substance that they could could really point to in this bill, which we haven't even seen. But it's in words only. And, and I, the American people don't deserve this, and we're tired of it. So it's dead on arrival. H.R. 2, which we uh, the, the House passed, had strict uh, immigration control, uh, you know, remain in Mexico. They finished building the wall with points of entry. They had metrics in place that could be measured. What Langford bill has is nowhere resembles this from what I'm hearing. 
And do you think after so many people over the course of the last several weeks, we've heard and played clips on the show from Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, even AOC talking about the only way to start solving the problem at the border is to deal with the people that are already here. That's essentially a dog whistle for calling for amnesty as like, you know, the starter for the Biden administration to be able to work on any kind of immigration reform. That's also a non-starter in the House as well, correct? It is. It's dead on arrival. And I mean, think about the sheer numbers. Let's say let's say it's not eight million. That's the south. The population of South Carolina is five and a half million. That's the entire state of South Carolina, and to have them and not knowing who they are, taking part of the all the programs this country offers uh, is criminal. And to be honest with you, there are a lot of them should be impeached, including Joe Biden. Oh, it's the truth, and we'll see how that goes as that investigation continues to ramp up as well. Congressman, uh, going into some budgetary-related stuff, I know in Republican conference there's been some debate over the tax vote that's going to happen a little bit later this week. Do you want to talk to our listenership about that and and what exactly is going on with that bill? Yeah, what the tax bill does, we talked about that in caucus today. Again, it needs to – they want to put it up on the floor so Democrats can pass it. They call it on on suspension. But it should go through the Rules Committee. That's what we fought for. That's one of the reasons McCarthy is no longer here. He was putting everything up on – uh, suspension, and he had bills that the Democrats would pass. I'm sorry, we're on two different universes when it comes to uh, not just the border issue, but so many other things. But the what I told Jason Smith uh, and others to let's get it back in committee. They've got a provision in there where the tax credit, child tax credit, would go to the children that had Social Security numbers, which this government is issuing. Uh, a photo ID plus the issuing social security numbers for children who are born there uh, would get, actually get a check from the federal government. And I might add on money we don't have, we're borrowing every cent of it that the parents would spend because children would not get the checks. It would, it would be going to the parents. It's just wrong. And so Tax bill needs a lot more work. It's got some good provisions in there on the depreciation schedules, uh, on some of the the uh, on the job tax credit bill that passed under Trump uh, and passed even prior to President Trump were good bills. But this one, as far as has got a lot of issues, we've got to work out. And hopefully, uh, Speaker Johnson won't bring it up for a vote. The Democrats will love it, but it just doesn't make financial sense. And Jason Smith has done a good job as chairman of Ways and Means, but why not? What's another week to work out the kinks? Why do you have to have it now? It's, there's no rhyme or reason that we've got to push this. We've been out for the last week, so let, let's take the time to get it right. And that was my those those are just a few of the things that could be uh, that could be adjusted in a good way. No, that's a, that makes a lot of sense, and uh, you know we'd like to see it be the best as possible. Things that don't add just to the deficit, even though it's going to give breaks to the American people. Last thing I want to touch with you on, Congressman, is uh, you know we're a little bit over a month away from the current continuing resolution expires. Have you guys been able to get into what it's going to look like as we near that deadline, and, and any possibility of getting something outside of a continuing resolution, or maybe just a longer one, so you could focus on some of the bigger issues in the House for the rest of the session? Well, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to, you know, the the impeachment is fine, but the financial health of the country is at stake. And what and we disagree with, with Speaker Johnson to put the top line number at the 1.659, 1, 1 trillion, 659 billion, 
which is the Pelosi Schumer uh, spending. Look, we're out of the we're at the end of the runway when it comes to spending. That's the cancer in this country that has to be corrected. And you know, on the appropriation bills, they will work under that umbrella of that number. We wanted it one tree and four. Uh, one tree and five at most. And this the only thing this administration has done is to give us things that we could could cut out, like funding walls in other countries, like the study of fish farms. Uh, and so many things that, that don't make sense, but we haven't been able to muster the support among our Republican friends to, to do it. Uh, I'm hopeful we will, but it's it's um, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it certainly is, and, and we're going to be keeping track on that. We're also going to be keeping track on you, Congressman. We're going to live link your congressional website in the show description today so everybody can check out all the great work you're doing, how you're fighting up there on Capitol Hill for everybody. And uh, if anybody wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out? Rep Ralph, rep RepRalphNorman.com. This is the Congressman who's representing South Carolina 5 and fighting for all of the American people, Mr. Ralph Norman. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Have a great rest of the week. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, Noah, sometimes you don't always get what you want, but we Put a pretty good product on the table today. Did we get what we need? We always deliver at the very least. Yep. If you like this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now over 325 other editions of the show, it's pretty simple. Follow us across every downloadable podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Hit that follow button. And that's downloading to your electronic device. In addition, across social media is Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts. Follow them. Hit the notification bell and never miss out all the great stuff we've got going on here on the show today. We want to thank everyone that came down and shared and added a little insight to all the news that we were covering. South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman, Constitutional Attorney Jesse Benal, and former U.S. Army Colonel Douglas McGregor. You guys all helped make steak great again. Guys, don't worry. Albeit we had some reschedules, we've got an absolute heater coming in here on Friday, where we'll be joined by Eli Crane, a reschedule with Anna Paulina Luna, Representative Matt Gates, Freedom Caucus Chair Bob Good, and who knows what else is going to go on between now and then. So on behalf of the pod team, and without delay, Noah, later. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week, and take care.